welcome to our very first podcast, the pilot episode. All right, so uh, to kind of give you guys an idea about what we're doing and why we're doing it, is that, you know, Chase, we were just talking, and I, I don't think me or you have ever seen a podcast that focuses on the whole broad spectrum of fantasy, right? Right, yeah, I mean, uh, me and you both did kind of a lot of research on this for a while before. We're not just two guys that decided, hey, we wanted to be in front of a TV and hear ourselves talk. Um, I would probably like to, but no. Uh, I mean, even if you go into a lot of other podcasts, what they'll do is say they'll take a universe in general, like Game of Thrones, and they might break down each episode and be like, oh, well, this should have been better, and this should have been why. That's not exactly what we're doing here. This is more for our audiences. Um, so you'll see us go through franchises and topics every week, giving our opinions. Uh, it's a debate show. So, you know, leave your comment below uh, this video. We will have shows where you do take topics. We'll figure out if we'll put a sorting hat in or something. Pull the topic out, you know, because yeah. we're big nerds ourselves. That'd be a lot of fun, too. And, and, and just like you were saying, like this is going to really like, kind of encompass all of the genres, not just fantasy, but action, adventure, and sci-fi. Really all the movies that have really shaped our generation since what we've been alive, even before we were alive, right? Yeah, Star Wars, before, Star Wars, right? Movies, right? Yeah. And, you know, the, the uh, Lord of the Rings books and things of that nature. So we're really just going to take a really deep dive into everything fantasy, sci-fi, action, adventure, go high level on some things, very down into detail on others, and you know, what better way to start our very first podcast than with the two major franchises in the world today, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, we're going to take a, a deep dive in today, and of course, the one 10 years ago, no people even recognized 10 years ago at all, which really kind of shaped our entire generation and has set a whole universe into play today. Um, which we'll get into that one in a minute, and then the other one, of course, you know, has been going on since the 80s, and what's kept that going. Right. Um, but that's what we're going to kind of uh, take a look at here, and, you know, we'll dive into everything. It's not going to be just movies. We'll even look at books as well, but really has what kind of shaped our entertainment world of the fantasy aspect today. And I think that's something that's really great about it, too, to your point, is that we're not just dissecting movies. We're going as far as TV shows, books. You know, we, we, we've got so much that we can bring to the table here for people who are fans of different things. Like maybe someone's a really big fan of you know, the Marvel Cinematic yeah. Universe but really doesn't like Star Wars that much. You know, this exactly. is great for them, too. Right. You know, it's really something for everybody. And I want to let everybody know this is going to be an audience-centric show as well, right? It's not just going to be you and I debating our ideas and topics against each other. We want the audience and viewers to get involved too. So as he said, please leave your comments in the section below. Uh, we're going to, at some point, we're going to be taking uh, comments from viewers in terms of questions you may have or maybe your own debate topics. Uh, we're going to be pulling them out of our sorting hat we're going to pull out here in, in a couple weeks. And we're really going to dive into being not only someone that's talking to you, but kind of talking with you as well. So, Chase, how about you give them a little idea of what we're going to go into today, what our really big topics are uh, for our very first podcast. Yeah, our two topics today are uh, the MCU, so that's kind of a big one there. And uh, we're going to go into Star Wars, kind of take a deep dive into that. 
Uh, for those of y'all that have seen the new movie, of course, uh, Josh is catching up, so we're not going to ruin it for him, but that's going to be great because we are giving you a two-pilot special today, Yeah. Um, which that's not going to happen again this season, So, but don't worry, we got great a lot of material for you, and then next week we're going to dive uh, straight on Rise of the Skywalker by itself and kind of break down. I know there's been a lot of critics out there. Um, some have liked it, some that haven't, have, haven't liked it. Uh, you know, me, earlier today, I was sitting here destroying it. <laughs> so, I mean, it, uh, you know, we'll uh, get everyone's opinions on that. And definitely leave your opinions uh, below, too, because we definitely appreciate all feedback. Sure. So, what we're really going to cover today is, you know, what our top... So, yeah, there's 32 movies in the MCU, and there's nine of the major franchise for Star Wars, right? So, we're going to really kind of take a look at what each of us think are the best movies in each of the two major franchises and we're going to kind of tell you guys not only what we think they are but why and how they're so important and then after that we're going to take a look into some of the ones we, we didn't like so much and what we think could be unimproved there as well. Oh of course yeah so uh, we'll get a dive into it but um, you know just for you guys that just caught on don't worry you know, if you're not just into the MCU, don't worry, like, we're going to dive into The Witcher at some point, you know, things that are just coming out, yeah, maybe even something that's not completely in the mainstream yet that might have complete potential, so it's not just things that the mainstream audiences are into, so most likely there's going to be something for everybody. Absolutely, sure. and good point. So let, you know, let's tell them a couple of things that we are going to be discussing. Game of Thrones is going to be something that's going to be thrown around. Like he said, The Witcher, uh, the new Star Wars movie, the ones that are going to be coming out as well, the side, uh, the side um, films, and then we're also going to get into uh, you know, Harry Potter. We're going to do books of you know, books and movies for Harry Potter. We're going to dive into Lord of the Rings. Uh, Lord of the Rings. So one of the best, like, honestly, the biggest movie franchise like, that kind of shaped our generation and the way movies are done today, honestly, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. Kind of one I of the mean, biggest ones. and you know me, like, <laughs> I don't know a whole lot about games. That's why we kind of stick to what we know best. But, like, even, you know, you got Zelda, which is a big thing, or you got all these new uh, series that are really coming out trying to hold their own, like, I know Spartacus kind of jumped off Game of Thrones uh, and because they really wanted to dive more into deep than that fantasy realm there and just how that's really what's great about what we're digging into. It shows it's not something that just lasted for five years and didn't stay relevant. They stayed relevant because what we're saying, they built an entire universe around this, yeah. like even Star Wars. Now you got Galaxy's Edge you can go to, you can actually live these experiences. Exactly. Or, you know, universally, you walk over to the Wizarding, Wizarding World of Harry Potter. Like, where else can you go get a drink in Diagon Alley? And, and I agree. You know I mean? Another part, too, to that is that, you know, us, all of us, you, I, the, the viewers, fans have made this happen. And so that's why we wanted to do this podcast is because we don't really think there's like an outlet for people to talk about, you know, what they feel about certain things. So without further ado, let's let's go ahead and jump into it. Give the the viewers what they're looking for, yeah, I mean, and let's uh, let's tackle this. Let's do it. Uh, so I'll let you go ahead and get us started. Well, you always like to start uh, with a little cheers. This is a real show, by the way. We actually are doing this all in one take, so yeah, don't worry. So, <laughs> no, what we're going to start, and myself first, I'm going to go ahead and, and dissect what my top five Marvel films are. And I'm going to go from five to one. The first one I've got to say, you know, my, my fifth favorite Marvel film 
is got to be the first Iron Man. Now, the reason why I chose the first Iron Man is because this is what kind of set everything in motion for what we know today in this entire film franchise, right? There's 32 movies all based off of the success of Iron Man, you know, and we got to really see Robert Downey Jr. take this role and really just become Iron Man. I don't think anyone believes that any other actor could have portrayed Tony Stark better than Robert Downey Jr. So without him, this franchise could be completely different, right? And, you know, we were kind of discussing this earlier. They could have taken the low-hanging fruit, meaning gone with something easy, starting the entire you know, franchise with Captain America. But they decided they were going to take uh, a slightly lesser-known superhero and run with it. And John Favreau did a fantastic job of you know, getting into the hearts of, of the American viewers. And so for that reason, there's no possible way I can leave the first Iron Man out of the top five just based on what it means to the franchise and what it means to us and who it introduced us to. Which, I mean, you made a lot of really good points. I can't really sit here and disagree with you on any of that because all that is completely true. Um, I would even go as far as to put it probably in my top seven. Like, it's that close. Mm -hmm. It's just there's so many good movies in the MCU, I didn't put it in my top five. But you didn't put it in the top five? Not in the top five, wow. man. Nah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I still remember I actually worked at the theater when that movie came out, and it was huge. And what's so great about this movie was it was a gamble on Marvel's part. Like, I mean, if you think about it, if this movie was not successful, the MCU would not be here today. By all means. True. Uh, not at all. And... I think a lot of it goes to in that film. They had to be so precise on who they picked to play Tony Stark. They couldn't just take anyone in the dark. You know what I mean? Like, um, like I mean, we were saying, like, you know, Hugh Jackman was big in that day for Wolverine. Yeah, he was the superhero. He was the superhero. alpha male who you really think prototypical, and they went the opposite direction with it. They did. They got a sleek guy that was like a kind of edgy billionaire philanthropist like you silver tongue quick talker yeah i mean and if you go if you really break this down that was very edgy yeah for even disney to do like you're gonna get a guy that, well back then it wasn't disney you know or yeah like, marvel. marvel studios yeah marvel yeah. studios um but very edgy to kind of take a risk on that sure. given you know it's very it could have gone both ways with audiences for how families partook that film. Uh, and luckily for them, you know, it paid off. I mean, I think, trust me, I think the whole back in black routine by ACDC definitely helped it out a lot. Um, <laughs> but you didn't put it in your top five. Nah, man, I can't put it in my top five. <laughs> I'm too much of a Spider-Man fan for that. Well, tell, tell us what, uh, what your number five is. Uh, number five. So I won't give away too many spoilers. I mean, we kind of have this joke going on. Like, if you haven't seen the movie yet, well... Go see it. Go see it. <laughs> sorry. Uh, sorry, not sorry. <laughs> um, but I actually put uh, Spider-Man Far From Home uh, as that movie that okay. came out this summer, actually. It's yeah. uh, one of the more recent movies in the MCU, and ironically, we still have an ongoing Spider-Man that is iconic to the whole Spider-Man series. And in fact, I would argue that Tom Holland is probably... No one expected him to be, but I would rank him as the best Spider-Man in the franchise. 
I have to agree on that one. Yeah, he's good. And yes, you, you put that at number five of all the films, Far From Home took your fifth spot. There's a reason for that. Uh, so, I mean, I've always been kind of a comic book nerd, so all my nerd people out there, right there, with you, man. Um, and, you know, if you really go back to the old comics of Peter Parker, I would say this film we finally got here is the closest to what the original comics were. I mean, he wasn't... So, if you go back to the, you know, the old Tommy Maguire films, like, yes, I get it. Like, they tried to make him, <clears throat> like, a super nerd, but he was still, like, kind of very confident, <clears throat> especially as he progressed throughout the films. This one is very consistent with, you know, he's just more of a kid in high school. Seems he's more relatable. More relatable, okay. yeah. Uh, you know, more like us in school. Like, he's he's a smart guy, but he's not trying to be that outstanding nerd. He is very, yeah, kind of nerdy. Like, into nerdy things like we are. Awkward. I think awkward's awkward is a good word. That's yeah. the best word. Yeah. He wasn't, like, the all-star, like how Andrew Garfield had him. And then also, it's it's real emotion shown in this film as far as... You know, I honestly think, I mean, people were very skeptical about her when she first came on, but I think Zendaya does an excellent job as Mary Jane, and you can see that in the movie with the awkwardness just between them in the film. No. It's literally just like high school. Like, everyone remembers in high school, you know, you had that crush on one girl that kind of had a crush on you, but you really don't want to say anything, so their friend might come up and talk to you about it, and then you might walk into them, and it's just like in the film, like, they're so afraid to tell each other about, like, the way they're feeling and being awkward about it. I mean, you get one quick, like, peck on the cheek. It's no sexy kiss or anything like you would get with the Tobey Maguire films and Mary Jane, how he might catch her flying off a building that's exploding, exploding and you might think Michael Bay directed it, which <laughs> it doesn't work like that. It's actually completely real. So the reason you put it in your top five is because you felt it was realistic and more relatable than any of the other films. I would probably say it's one of the most relatable films in MCU today. And also, I'm a huge Spider-Man fan, so I can't keep Spidey out of my A little bit of bias over there. A little right. bit of bias. Awesome. Well, how about you start us off with your number four movie on your list? Number four, um, this was a tough one for me. And it has a little bit of bias in it, too. <laughs> but uh, I actually put Captain America Civil War as uh, number four on my list. Okay. Um, I know some people might rank it higher. But you really do get to see in this film kind of why this franchise needs Chris Evans and Robert Downey Jr. so bad. If it wasn't for them two, the franchise wouldn't be near where it was today. Um, I thought they did an excellent job with what they had, as you know, as we were talking about, thinking about earlier. Um, at the time, you know. Uh, the owner, Marvel didn't acquire X-Men yet. Like, that, none of that was there. And if you go back to the original comics, if they had Hugh Jackman in that, like, they could have done so much more. But because of what they had, they had to get creative with it. Just how they brought Ant-Man in. That threw a whole other side of things into it. It wasn't just about, 
you know, who's the smartest or has the biggest brawn superhero. It's like, oh, you got this guy that has, like, some shrinking powers. Wow, I didn't see that coming. That, I didn't think that would play an effect at all. And it also brought into politics, which I'm not a big politic guy or anything, but it showed, like Robert Downey Jr. said, the whole point of the movie was to be held accountable, which is almost just like how we are in today's world, right? Like, it's things you don't think about in superhero films. For instance, you know, they said they were out doing that mission, and then that kid got that building dropped on him. And that's why they wanted to be held in check, and Captain America didn't want to agree with it. So, I mean, it brings into a lot of real-world questions, and then at the same time, you didn't really know what side to pick. I mean, you had Tony Stark, his parents were killed, so you're like, man, you know, I really want to hope he gets justice for this. But then at the same time, you know, Captain America's fighting for his friends, his best friend. Like, you're like, and he couldn't really control what he was doing, so you really didn't know what side to pick. Um, and I just thought overall, as far as the entire franchise and how they brought it back together, that was such a big centerpiece that no one saw at the time. When you go back and look at the entire Infinity Saga, without that piece, the saga couldn't have ex existed at all. Right. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't have a lot of argument there uh, with, with Civil War. I think it was a, a great film. They, they did a lot with very, very little. And uh, I'll kind of go in depth later on because I, you know, I think uh, spoiler alert that's going to come up on my list as well. Uh, so I'll get into more like deep down but high level. I think you made a lot of great points about Civil War. I absolutely believe it belongs in anybody's top five if you're a true fan of the comics and you know, understand what they were trying to do with what they had with the restraints budgetary wise and you know film rights wise as well. So right. I'm with you there. Uh, for me, my number four film. The, the very first Guardians of the Galaxy. The Guardians of the Galaxy, man, like, it, it really, unless you knew about them from reading the comics and way back when they first came out, most people don't. I would say a good 80% of the viewers who saw Guardians of the Galaxy never knew that they were in the comics and that they were actual, you know, characters already, right? So this is, a, you know, someone who came out of nowhere, and Chris Pratt did an amazing job playing that goofy, lovable like, like he's he's an imbecile, but he's so kind-hearted, and and he still is good at what he does, right? Like it's like the person that you can't help, but like man, you can't say a bad word about him. And it, I think that was a risk on a cast in and of itself, because I don't know who else could really play a role where you're supposed to be goofy but still do your job well at the same time. And so the fact that you know he's he's out there with. You know, out in space, you know, very first time kind of getting to see the space side of stuff in a, in a superhero movie, it was unprecedented. And it, like I said, they really came out of nowhere. And I think that's the biggest thing why I have to add it into my top five is really because from, you know, we've always had like the standard superheroes that we all know about Hulk, uh, you know, Captain, Iron Man, Spider Man. Like that, those are like, you know, the, the Fab Five. But, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy. That came in and took it by storm because it's something people hadn't seen before and it really resonated with viewers. Instead of like just making more knockoffs of different types of films, they could have done, you know, whatever, you know, Spider-Man nine and a half, you know, by the time oh, yeah, they could have exactly, done anything. Yeah. But they really did go ahead and, and try to uh, do something new and I think it paid off. So that's why I have to add Guardians of the Galaxy as my number four. Oh, yeah. Um, 
which mine is is very close. I'll get to that in a minute. But one thing about Guardians of the Galaxy I liked most was one of the most underrated characters, in my opinion, is Rocket Raccoon. <laughs> if he is a raccoon, whatever he hates <laughs> to be called. But Bradley Cooper did such a good job That's in that role. Point. People even underrate it because you don't realize the difficulty it takes to play an animated character in a live-action film. Especially one dominated with such names as Iron Man Thor. Exactly. You know, Captain. I agree. Like, literally, when they were filming it, um, filming Infinity War, they had to put a stuffed animal in front of Chris Hemsworth. Because he didn't know what to look at. Like, he couldn't, he almost couldn't fathom the whole idea. And it goes back all the way to a scene in Guardians 1 that no one expected, which was kind of edgy in the whole almost like Robert Downey Jr. thing I was saying, right? Where he gets intoxicated, <laughs> gets straight up drunk off uh, in front of, of course, you know, Star Lord and everybody there and Groot. And he's throwing the bottles, and it really just showed, you know, how these superheroes have their own emotion to it as own well. Own demons that they're battling. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, and that's what's I thought was so great about the movie. I think he's one of the most underrated characters in the MCU. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, and I think that you know, I think we mentioned this not too long ago, but the fact that it, the audience, I think Rocket Raccoon would have had a greater, bigger following if Groot wasn't part of the film, right? Right. So I kind of fell in love in the same sort of like Baby Yoda thing that's going on with right. the Mandalorian. Mm -hmm. So Groot just kind of took the, the world by storm with their hearts, but if he wasn't in that film, I think people would really resonate with uh, Rocket Raccoon. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, you want to go ahead and kick it off with your uh, number two, though? And get us started? Well, I'm on number three right now. Oh, yeah. But, See, I'm, uh, I'm always skipping. Skipping on it. Now, uh, that's, that's my number four, but for number three... To kind of get back to where yours was for your number four, my number three is uh, Captain America's Civil War. And the reason why uh, Civil War, a lot of points that you made, but just to really, really dive in deep and get high level with this, it was the ultimate heart versus head argument, right? You know, for Iron Man, it was obviously smart play for everybody, like, hey, let's be regulated so that way, you know, everyone can maintain safety. But at the same time, your heart, like, you know, I want to be free. We shouldn't have to, you know, conform to what other people want from us. You know, this, this, it was the ultimate head versus heart. Because you could see yourself siding with either single one of them. They really pitted the two main characters of the MCU against each other. It wouldn't have had the same effect if, you know, like, Bruce Banner and, and Captain right. were on different sides. Mm -hmm. These are the two figureheads of the MCU going head-to-head -head on ideals and philosophy. And each one of them had a very valid point. Like, I saw myself in, in the film, like, agreeing with what they were both saying. Yeah. Right, you know? And to kind of go back to the comics, if we want to take it back there, where this, obviously, with budgetary restraints and the fact that the film rights, you know, they had the big, like, 30 on 30 battle in the comics, and it was super badass, and it was, a, like, it was really, really cool where they. They did a really good job with what they had in that battle scene outside the airport. Yeah, you know, that like that was when we first got introduced to Spider Man, mm -hmm. took Captain Shield. That was super cool. That was like biased, uh, by the way. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> they, they kept. The, they had the battle between Iron Man and Captain uh, down below, where it was just a really badass scene. You kind of see like Captain's heart versus uh, you know Iron Man's like intellect using his 
you know, his suit in different ways to try to gain the upper edge in the, in the battle there. And you knew at the end that, like, they both, they, they say they, they despise each other, but in reality, they have a lot of respect for each other. Yeah. They just view the world differently, but they have the same goal. They, they want unity and peace for, for Earth, right? Mm-hmm. There's, they just have different ways of going about it. And I think they put it perfectly in a film how, you know, you can, you can agree with both sides and you really have to, you know, come together to find an understanding. And so I, I love that. I love the fact that, you know, we got introduced to Spider-Man in that film. The right. battle scene itself with, you know, Ant-Man going into Giant-Man as well. Like, was it, was, awesome. it was super cool. There was a lot of things that were into it. It really kind of uh, set the tone for further on, like when it, you know, like they really had everything come together. So I, I love Civil War. That has to be my number three. Uh, I know that a lot of people have their issues with Civil War, but I don't think they can really take a look at it and say, you know what, this was a bad movie. Oh, there's yeah, there's no chance yeah, because it, it really, without Civil War, the franchise wouldn't be where it is. You wouldn't you have fallen have in love with it harder. Right. If there was no division and you weren't forced to take a side, it would just been, you know... You know, it's a superhero movie, mm-hmm. right? This is like where you first like, man, we've got to look within ourselves, and you know, you saw where everyone's allegiances lie, and then and then Black Widow flipped. You know what I mean? Like, right, amazing. Yeah. You would like exactly. it, it was a really mm-hmm. good film, and it had everything. It had, there's no way it can make it off my top five. So that's not a number three movie, Civil War. Uh, yeah, I agree on all counts. Uh, just like how I ranked it before, but you did bring up a, a very valid point there. As far as you really see the respect for the two, um, as we're you know, as I was going back through all the films, uh, one thing that really stood out was, of course, if you haven't seen Endgame by now, well, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I, don't know, I don't know what you're doing here. If you haven't seen Endgame, yeah, exactly. Disney Plus, go get it. <laughs> um, but it's like when. You know, Tony Stark got rescued from Captain Marvel, and he thought it was over at first. Well, he came back. His thought wasn't on, <clears throat> oh, how did I make it alive? It was about, of course, rescuing everyone else. And who did he go up to first? He went up to Captain America. And he, even though they had that whole dispute, he still knew he had that burner phone, and he was waiting on him. For his call. And of course, they just happen to be in two different places. But he still said, yeah, quote, unquote, he wiped my face with a planet. So you take this and you go hide. Because he was so mad at him at that point because he felt like almost the trust was broken. Yeah. Uh, And that's what Civil War really showed was it was, it really showed the emotion between the two. It was no longer about that point of, Oh, one had a really popular movie. The other one had a really popular movie. We're just trying to link them with the cast to make a big budget. Oh. It was the chemistry between two these two. alphas, you know, butting yeah. heads on philosophy. Mm-hmm. You really got to see where, like, who's, you know, who was thinking with their heart and who was thinking with their head. Right. And the fact that they came together with a common cause at the end, perfect. It literally gave you the feeling of almost like if you were betrayed by your own Best brother. friend. Yeah. Kind of. Best friend. In a way, yeah. yeah right? So, yeah, I, I would rank it right up there. You know, I already had it on my list. What did you have for three? Uh, for three, very similar. Um, actually, which a lot of people might disagree with me on this, uh, I had Captain America Winter Soldier. And the reason for that is it wasn't really up until that point you started seeing these MCU films really develop into a complex 
plot line as far as like the whole spy theme. Uh, I will say my favorite scene in all the MCU movies is when Captain America jumps off that plane and <laughs> jumps on the boats and is taking them down one by one. I felt like it was in an old James Bond film. Like, it was just killing it. And I am a diehard big Black Widow fan, so yeah, I'm looking forward to May ne- this coming year. Yeah, we're already in the new year, man. Yeah, we're in the So yeah, a lot of things coming, coming up, up this too. year. Yeah, it's going to be another good one, so... Uh, we'll Stay get tuned. to that <laughs> long time from now. <laughs> um, but I thought it was, I thought it was great because then too, you know, you got to see a little bit more back into Cap's history. Um, and honestly, I thought it was awesome how they kept tying it into Hydra, like how they went into the whole scene, how you know they got trapped in that computer room and all that mess. But it really took, I felt like the plot lines to a whole nother level, almost like how the Fast and Furious movies, like I said, turn into spy movies later on. You got Hobbs and Shaw over there with <laughs> literally taking down artificial intelligence. And you're like, where did that come from? I thought they were just looking at, you know, imports. And cars, <laughs> Car imports. Um, but yeah, what, what do you think? I don't know, did you rank that anywhere in your list? Uh, no, I didn't. Uh, Winter Soldier, I would put that somewhere kind of like in the middle. There's just, for me, uh, it just didn't resonate. There's nothing about it that stood out as opposed to, you know, like Thor Ragnarok. I kind of put them kind of like in the mm-hmm. same sort of tier. You know, it's just, it, it, to me, it just, it was it was good in its own right. There's nothing I disliked about it per se. It just didn't pop as like, hey, this is so memorable and this is a key. And it wasn't like, it wasn't a crucial piece to me. It right, wasn't yeah. super memorable. So I have a hard time ranking it above some of these other movies. So I, I don't hate what you said. I just I don't think I could I, don't, I couldn't see myself putting it in, in the top five. Makes sense. Yeah, I probably would have thought about. I actually thought about Ragnarok too because the whole like Hulk versus the dog scene. That was pretty. <laughs> that was cool, yeah. that was pretty awesome. And again, like I, I feel like for a top five, yeah, it has to encompass one of maybe one or two or three things. Is number one, it either has to have something super memorable that happened in it that you weren't expecting or like they did it really well that you were expecting or it's got to be a key like it needs to be key to the storyline right and I just I don't think Winter Soldier was ever that big like in the movie franchise and in the in the comics he was mm-hmm. a little bit more prevalent and you got to hear more backstory but this is like the only like thing you've got from him you know yeah. what I mean in this so it just it didn't stick out to me I didn't think there was anything key about it and I didn't think it did anything like overly bad, but I also don't think they did anything very well with it. So I, I didn't put that in my top five. I'm very sad. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know, that's, that's the point. You know, we're not always going to agree with each other. Oh, I yeah, actually like when we don't, so that way we can kind of you know, see where each other's thinking. Now, we're, we're, on, we're on number two already, man. Yeah. So, what, what do you uh, have for number two? Number two, you know, I got to kind of piggyback off, uh, what was it, your number My number three? Number four. four? Yeah, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, man. Uh, my reason for that, of course, Rocket Raccoon. Dude, I kinda, two is a high level for that. You put that as your second high. favorite out of 32 movies, that's two. There's a reason for that, too. I mean, Tom. you know, of course, we kind of went into the whole Rocket Raccoon thing. Uh, you also do, like you said, you know, you kind of took Star-Lord that no one really even knew who he was, and then you kind of put in the comedic effect, like he was just more like a normal guy, like nothing special about him, but he had this cool gear from outer space. But really without that movie, what people miss, it actually was an iconic side piece, because 
without the whole space element to it, you could not have had Infinity War. Yeah. You could not have had it. Uh, um, and on top of that, it was one of the first times we actually saw the Infinity Stones used. Um, Great point. And I mean, you know, even going down to the point, like, yeah, I mean, you have Asgard with Thor, but I doubt we would have ever saw him get on a ship to go get Stormbreaker. Like, it wouldn't, wouldn't have happened. So, and that's the other thing. I mean, you had, it came so out of nowhere as well, like Iron Man. Like, I mean, they took such a chance on that. I remember before the first one was getting released, like, it was, you know, people were like, Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> like, why are you coming out with that? It's like a bad version of Star Trek. <laughs> that's literally what it sounded like. And they already had Star Wars at that point. So, like, yeah. why would you need that? So, it, um, you know, but I think people were really surprised. And even going all the way down into the final scene with Groot, I say, still say to this day, I mean, that scene's enough to make you break down in tears, man. Like, yeah, the final scene. Move the emotion into it. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, and that, you know, that's what led it. like the comedic world. element, too, bro. Like, the fact that he challenged into a dance-off. Yeah, like, you awesome. challenge the main awesome. villain to a dance-off. That like, that's how you beat someone in a superhero movie. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it, yeah. it, it was it was unorthodox, and it worked. It took a chance, and it worked. So, I think two's a little high, but I do like your reasoning why it's in your top five. Yeah, gotcha. Cool, you want to kick it Yeah, out. number two for me uh, is Endgame. You know, Endgame for me really did a lot of things. I couldn't put it number one. Because I, I do believe that almost any MCU fan, we, we probably all have the same number one and for various reasons. But number two, Endgame was great because it tied a lot of things together that needed to be tied together. Now, what I didn't like about it so much and why it can't be number one is they, they didn't do the Hulk justice, right? So, they, they, you know, he, he really deserved better for what he was like how important hulk was in the comics he's one of the most you know famous and well-known uh, protagonists where he was almost like an afterthought in endgame you know he'd, he'd had all it was all brain stuff he didn't participate in really much of any of the fighting i don't think we saw any good fight scenes in endgame which may be sad but you know I, that's really outside of that one aspect of it they did a lot of great things with endgame you know and that probably had the single best fight scene that has ever graced the big screen, right? Now, when, when all of those heroes that had died in Infinity Wars came back to the portals that, you know, Doctor Strange and his team were, were throwing out, like, like I said, I remember, like, when they were all going through it, like, we got, I got children right now just talking about it, but uh, having all of them come through and kind of just looking at everybody, like, oh, thank goodness, like, we've got everyone here, like, he was happy. Like, like, you know, he, he was almost in despair before that happened because, like, man, we're getting our asses kicked. Oh, yeah. Right? And then, no, definitely. And then like, all of a sudden, all those people come mm -hmm. in and you, know, you can see he almost welled up with tears. He was so happy to see everyone and they, you know, oh, they yeah. all had his no, back. Almost, yeah. And then, and then, like, you said, when uh, he put his hand out and then Jonah, boom, into it, like, the whole audience erupted and he's like, Avengers, assemble. Like, I, I doubt that you can find a better, better cinematic piece. Than, and probably in film history than that. You know, like, that was huge and one of the very best fight scenes ever. And it even encompassed things that you wouldn't have thought about, like Fat Thor. Like, yeah. you know, like, that came out of nowhere, but it worked. 
with what they were trying to do because it showed like the depression of like when you lose everything and you just you just are in despair you've got nothing left like that's what happens and that happens to people in real life yeah like it was it was an amazing film i can't give it the number one spot because of what it did to our boy hulk but i will say like i it's hard for me to think of five four better films than endgame i so I loved Endgame, the last 20 minutes, <laughs> and I think what killed it for me was the brains with the brawn, and I hate to say, like, I let that entire one aspect take over, um, but I just did not like what they did with the Hulk, man. I, I loved the beginning fight in Infinity War against Thanos, like, I felt like that's the Hulk we should have gotten. Even in the end. Like, I understand the entire sort of, like, I don't want to come out thing because I just had someone that completely outmatched me. He never had that before. That was his first, yeah. like, battle with something that was on even par with his strength. So, it's almost like Ronda Rousey. If you ever watched UFC, like, when she finally lost her first fight, she was never the same after that. Right. Kind of exactly what happened there. I, which, I mean, that's that's very true. Um, but, I mean, at the same time, I felt like it was like the whole Spider-Man 2 deal from the Tobey Maguire films. Like, he lost his powers, like, forever. <laughs> like, so you're never going to come back ever? I mean, we got one little scene where they went back in time and he punched a car. Yeah. No, I, I'm with you. And, like, one thing I, I would love to have seen there is because another part of Endgame, why it's my number two, we had that really heartbreaking scene with Hawkeye and uh, Black Widow were fighting over who was going to die for the Soul Stone. Which goes... Like, sorry, I don't... No, know good. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that because of that, man, that was such a heartbreaking scene, but we knew that it had to happen because Hawkeye had a family. Black Widow didn't. So it tied into everything of when his family disappeared, you had a, you had a sense of feeling, okay, because they're going to try to bring everyone back, he's going to be back with his family, where right. Black Widow yeah. wouldn't have had anybody, except this kind of ties into my point here, like the Hulk in Black Widow had a thing for the yeah. longest time. Right. So it would have been nice, let's say Hawkeye did die, and he, like, you know, he was the one that was taken for the Soul Stone, and then Black Widow goes back and, and is in that fight. I would love to see, instead of smart genius Hulk, like you know, with him as Bruce Banner trying to get Hulk to come out and has a really hard time doing it, Thanos putting... Black Widow in a really bad spot, about to kill her or harm her seriously. You right, know? yeah. And then all of a sudden, to save her, he just goes Berserker Hulk. That would have been amazing to get that highest level of anger Hulk and just have a big old duke out with Thanos. I still would love to see Endgame end the way it ended with Tony Stark snapping his fingers with the I Love You 3000. That took the world by storm, yeah, right? Yeah, it really did. But I really think that film. we deserved another Hulk-Thanos showdown with Hulk just at the highest level of rage because Scar because of Black Widow, was her life was in danger. Yeah, well, another reason I didn't put it in my top five was just because what you were expanding on. Like, I felt like Hawkeye had almost more attachment to, to Black Widow because once she was dead, like, I felt like all he did was he tossed a table or a chair into the lake. Like, he was like, you know, we don't want our sacrifice to be in vain, that. And then he was like, that's why I gotta do this. But, if you look back, like, the way Jeremy Renner played that role, like, he looked at her like a sister, and that's why he was screaming, uh, this isn't space magic. You go talk to the guy in the red mask, 
and you go tell that to him. But we didn't get that from the Hulk, and that's, you know, Bruce Banner has, like, that was his girl for, like, the long time, um, which, I mean, you know, even going back to, if it goes into, you know, they had their little fling in Age of Ultron, and going all the way up through there, that's when it really sparked. And there, I felt like... Other people had better connections, like Peter Parker and Tony Stark. and Right, I mean, like, for instance, if it was, you know, Tom Holland and Zendaya, I think you would care a lot more if Zendaya got taken. Like, that's just kind of my opinion on it. I love, absolutely love the last... 20 minutes of in-game. If you don't, then sorry, you're not a fantasy fan at all. Like, sorry, just saying that. Because it, it, everyone knows the minute, you know, when they thought they were, like, no matter what they did, they just couldn't win. Uh, even after Cap grabbed that hammer and everyone was cheering. That was, like, almost that old Star Wars nostalgia for me. Or, like, the end of, you know... Harry Potter when Bellatrix Lestrange died. Yeah. Like, it had that moment. But then you had the moment of, wow. It's almost like a video game. Like, no matter how many times you had that hit on that one boss, and you played him so many times, then he kills you with the special move. And you're like, yeah, again? Like, I've played this 30 times? The minute he had that army come through, and it was just like Captain was on his own. And you thought it was completely over, and then all those portals opened. You cannot say you're a fantasy fan if that didn't bring you chills for the, the entire thing. The fact that you don't even have it in your top five, that speaks volumes to me. Because like, not only is it everything that I just pointed out, but that was the one time we had all of the you know, female Marvel characters like band together and have their own little excerpt of like you know uh, ladies with me and like they they like that brought together so many things outside of you know just put tying all the films together with all the loose ends and tying those up but also you know things that we're going through now women equality and things of that nature so it just it touched on a lot of things and it tied everything up yes the Hulk they messed up on in my opinion you're not going to get everything perfect it's impossible to please everybody but it, I can't believe that I'm going to make your top five uh, well I mean can you really say it was the first time <laughs> which this goes into my number one which I think is a lot of people's number one that is actually overlooked a lot. Because my number one, actually I do recall Wanda was standing there with Black Widow and the other girl from Wakanda. <laughs> when they killed the girl and Black Widow said that's gross. <laughs> because it, my number one is overlooked all the time. It's Avengers Infinity War. And that's because in my opinion, that was really the first time. Yes, we had everyone brought together but it wasn't just brought together by like Civil War. It was brought together for a purpose. And if you even think about how movies, movies in general, like the auteurism style and the way it's filmed, taking such a high-end cast, that can be very boomer bust. Yeah. I've seen films have rock star cast, and they're garbage, mm -hmm. complete garbage. This one, the way we've seen ones like really great too, like The Departed, right. that yeah. had an all-star cast, yeah. and phenomenal movie. Yeah, but you know, then we've got ones that are flops. Right, it's all about the entire director's outtake on it. Yeah. And this one was so great because Kevin Feige and the Russo brothers, you know, they said it very simple before the film even came out. Everyone was trying to dive so deep into it with all their fan theories. It's a simple heist film. 
is all it is. If you have a simple plot, I mean, it'll, it turned out great. They had, you know, you had Cap in one end, uh, where you also had, you know, Thor winds up there almost connecting the whole thing like a bridge, where he goes from one end of space, getting down there into the whole landscape field over in Wakanda, trying to protect Vision. And over there, of course, you had Vision, you had Wanda, had all those guys. Uh, but then, of course, in space, we got fighting the other side of things, taking on Thanos directly. Of course, you have my boy Spider-Man. <laughs> and then you have the most iconic character of them all, Iron Man and Star-Lord. So you had those two aspects of it, uh, is how they did it, trying to also wrap up into why Civil War was so important. It literally was, it was the hole in the donut that they needed to put it all together and why they didn't need to be separated and needed to be a real team. But the way they were able to have that filmed and come out making complete sense to the audience, almost like an entire storyboard, you had Spider-Man and Iron Man and Star-Lord in space taking on Thanos. You had Thor in space that was going to take on Thanos with the Hulk. And of course, they wound up getting beat. So he goes and ties in the bridge, going his own route, getting Stormbreaker, figuring out his own way to do it, and then winds up over with Cap. And because they all had their own plan, going back to Civil War, they all got beat. And it, it was a complete reminder of why they needed to be the team. And they went up, you know, excuse my language, the most badass villain of them all. Like, he couldn't be beat. And that was the first time in history, in any of those films, where we actually saw the bad guy win. And it wrapped everything up literally perfect. And there wasn't one time in the entire movie I was like, okay, this is going a little slow. Even at the slow part, it threw in that little Game of Thrones teaser for me. <laughs> which was, you know, Peter Dinklage. <laughs> Got to credit him. So, what do you think, Colin? Yeah, man, dude, I'm 100% with you. I think this is the, the only one that we agree on fully as the number one spot. Uh, and Infinity Wars has to be number one. And not only for the sole fact, it's just you've never, ever felt so defeated as an audience member. Like, you walked out like the, the good guys lost. Our heroes did everything that they could outside Star-Lord. Fuck him. But <laughs> outside of that... <laughs> Like they did everything that they could, and they lost, man. That like that like I felt that in my soul, like in my heart. I was like, oh my goodness. Like I remember like getting out of that theater, just sitting in my car for a couple of seconds, and just being like, wow. I've never felt that from a film before. Like the good guys did not win, you know. So and then forget about just that aspect of it. I think that's huge because no other film in our MCU or any film period can say that. Right? No one, no movie had the bad guy winning at all times. I'm like, okay, great. How are they gonna overcome this? Right. Okay, great. How are they overcome? This? Like, oh, this is a great subplot for like the bad guy to get the edge again. But how are the the good guys gonna flip it and get back? Right? right? Yeah. So and that never like it never happened. And it, it never. It happened. was boom. Like you know, I think it's especially big for people who didn't read the comics. Right. Because yeah. like you know, people who have read the comics, they knew what was gonna happen mm -hmm. afterwards and where they were gonna go with it. But for people who didn't read the comics and like you know, fans just through the movies. 
See, they didn't know what was going to happen. Are these guys gone for good? Oh, like, yeah. What in the world? Like, and I know like people like started reading reviews, like, okay, well, now I know what, what's going to happen now. But like the first week after Infinity Wars dropped, you didn't know. You had no idea like no, if you were ever going to see no, Spider-Man again. Yeah. Like, I'm, like it's, it's hard for me to name a scene more sad than Peter Parker disappearing in Tony's hands. Maybe, maybe, uh, you know, Scarlet Witch and, and Vision, but even still, it was in the same movie. Same. <laughs> it was in the same, same movie. Like, movie. This movie encompassed all the emotions. It had plot, subplot, I'm going to outsmart you, you're going to outsmart me. It had the moving pieces. And you know what? To, to, to kind of jump on this real quick, the fact that we all agree that Endgame didn't give Hulk justice, yeah. Infinity Wars like, gave a, an incredible amount of justice to Doctor Strange. Oh, Without excellent. Doctor Strange, excellent. they're not in that fight at all. At all. He was, and he he really was a badass character, and it really showed you know how well because I I don't think anyone really realized Doctor Strange really was. Like I think people saw the Doctor Strange movie as just like a side off like distraction until Infinity Wars came out, waiting for that next Avenger movie, where really like when you saw him, you're like, dude, this guy's holding his own. Like without him, they're screwed, man. And like the fact that you know they follow like, like a. Uh, Spider-Man followed uh, <laughs> Tony Stark into space when he wasn't supposed to, right? You got that new metal suit, the Vitey suit. Like everything was so so key, and then fighting Ebony Maw on the on the ship space there, you know that I think that was really iconic. And you had everyone doing their own thing with one common goal to stop them, stop Thanos and his henchmen from getting all the Infinity Stones. So you had, you know, the, like Star Lord, Thor. Uh, Rocket Raccoon and uh, Gamora were there and doing one thing. Then you had Star Lord, Spider Man, Iron Man, and uh, Doctor Strange fighting Thanos on Planet Titan. Then you had you know Captain come save the day for Scarlet Witch and uh, and Vision like, like the train tracks. So you just kind of like, see the train go by and you just oh, kind yeah. of see him stand. And that was badass, right? Because like, that movie could have ended right then and there, like but them getting Vision's stone with they didn't show oh, up. It could have been it. Yeah, right. So the fact that they all were doing separate things with one common goal was amazing. It just it, and it somehow didn't work out for the good guys, and that's why you know it was a genius film. It really was. You were sitting there waiting for the time the good guys were going to finally figure it out, and then all of a sudden, you know, you get that that hope because Thor drives that the Stormbreaker into the chest, right into the heart of Thanos, and even pushes it in, right? Oh, and yeah. then you really see the the depth of the time stone. All it took was one snap, and then everything like like you know, Scarlet Witch had to kill Vision, and that was an intense moment. He's like, no, it's okay, do it. And she's like torn up the fact that she's got to be the one to end her lover's life. He undoes all of that, and it's for nothing. And he just rips it out of his head. Like, like it was unbelievable. It was a great film, and I don't think you can put any other MCU film on top of Infinity Wars. And so you brought up a great point. Like, I'm glad you reminded me of this, because I think we should really dive into that in a minute, as far as how great the villains were in this film. I mean, it was... <laughs> which almost dives into our next subject... It was the Empire Strikes Back of the entire saga, yeah. in my opinion. It just even going into yes, Thanos, like most badass villain of them all. Like, sorry, like you did everything you could. Even Thor couldn't beat him in the end. Even killing, you know, their the biggest one of the biggest sacrifices, Wanda taking out Vision. Yeah. Like just to make sure they all lived. Didn't, Didn't matter. Work. Like no like 
all the pieces kept falling off. Like no matter what they did, they couldn't. It's always that one guy that was one step ahead. But not even him as the most, you know, baddest villain of them all. You had Ebony Maw, yep. who was almost a Joker type character himself. Like I remember watching him on screen and just the stuff he could do. It was just absolutely unreal. And the monologues he gives as far as a character. Yeah. Like you have that sick feeling and that feeling of just regret and nostalgia and anxiousness. I remember when he wrapped up Doctor Strange and Doctor Strange said, well, you'll never get it. It's unwise to remove a sorcerer from his stone. And he said, well, I'll pry it from your corpse. Yeah. Or he, you know, had Doctor Strange on the ship and he said, if I leave you alive with the stone attached to your body, that would bring judgment. Him alone, right? Him alone by himself is almost that Ramsey Bolton type villain from Game of Thrones. They couldn't beat him. Like he had to do trickery through like the alien, like that. Exactly. Alien, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Which that's another reason I loved Infinity War was Spider Man. Like I feel like he is the most real Spider Man we had today. He made. Yeah, he made that comment, like, relating to all, everyone in this generation, our generation, and they literally played it right out, just like in the film. Y'all ever seen that old movie, Alien? <laughs> like, I mean, that was, like, one of my favorite parts. And that's another reason why I bring up, like, why I didn't put Endgame in my top five. Ebony Maw, because he comes back because of the Time Stones and the Infinity Stones, they had him back in in-game for literally only the last 20 minutes. So they could have brought him back way more. I just feel like there was so much more they could have done with him in in-game. But Infinity War, you cannot sit here and say that first scene when they come down and Tony Stark says, I'm sorry, Earth is closed today. Squidward. <laughs> that, that scene is not amazing, that entire fight scene. And that had nothing to do with Thanos in it. The villains in this film were absolutely phenomenal. And to your point, on top of that, too, uh, there was, it was nonstop action. Like, literally, I don't, like, I, there was not one lull in that movie. There wasn't one point I'm like, okay, like, I'm waiting for this to go best. Like, I was captivated from the moment I sat my ass in the seat till the credits, and I couldn't, like, I was, it's the best. It is the best. Marvel movie uh, made to date. And it's going to be very hard for them to top it. And what are you going to do? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, that's what's so tough. Because I understand, like, Endgame beat all the records because it was at its pinnacle. And I felt like everyone knew if they were ever going to beat that record of number one highest grossing film of all time, like, this was its chance. Yeah. So that's why. And I feel like Infinity War didn't hit up to that level because people weren't knowing what they were going to expect yet. Like, they were like, how are they going to play this out? Dude, I think that's what made people go see Endgame and it's like, dude, like, how are they going to fix this? Yeah. Like, like, dude, our guy's lost. Like, how are they going to fix right, this? Right, yeah. You it know? literally was a funeral. <laughs> like, if you think about it, yeah. like, he took out 50% and no one thought that was going to happen. And, it, um... You know, it's amazing how they're able just to put all the stories lines together and then put them over to Endgame. And, I mean, that's why I'm 
I'm sorry, I have to give my number one spot to Infinity War because it's something I wasn't expecting, and I thought it was literally that centerpiece that held the entire franchise together. I don't think that anyone can realistically make an argument that would hold up well as to why they wouldn't put Infinity War as number one. I don't... But you know, now that we've talked about how great some of these movies are and like what they've done well... Let's talk about some of the ones that we didn't like so much. Yeah. Which, by the way, I'm sure y'all are going to disagree with us. So definitely uh, leave your comments below because we're definitely going to uh, take those into account. And, you know, feel free to call us out on it. Be like, we don't know what you're, t- what you're talking about. Endgame was, Endgame was trash and so was <laughs> Infinity War. So feel free. I mean, you know, that's why we have this show. It's a debate show. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, let's go into the ones. Let's start with... Uh, you know, and the not-so-worst? Do you want to do the not-so-worst The second-to-least favorite? Yeah, and then we'll go yeah. to the worst. What, what did you put for your second-to-least favorite? Oh, man. Speaking of debates. Uh, man, you, you guys are going to be all over me for this one. And uh, so before I go into this, let me just say, like, first of all, I would be... Com- That's one thing I did love about Infinity War is the uh, women taking leadership and kind of uh, leading the way on this. And I would be all for, you know... Uh, a women Avengers movie, of course, and I am a diehard Black Widow fan, so I can't wait till May. I, I mean, that's I Could love spy movies. Um, Scarlett Johansson, she's awesome. Uh, I, I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait. But that being said, I'll go ahead and tell you, I it's not the one I hated most. That's what you liked. The it's what least. I liked second least was Captain Marvel. And the reason behind it, right? So I didn't like the whole Kree thing. I thought it was a really back and forth. I don't think they really got their point across. How you really have, like, how they pretended to be the villains the whole time and they wound up not being the villains. Like, it wasn't, like, I felt like it didn't flow very well. Also, I thought. I wasn't really won over by any character in that film. I mean, half the time, you know, Captain Marvel, she was, or Marvel, whatever you want to call her, she was in a daze half the time because she couldn't remember stuff from Earth. And then I felt like, you know, the first scene where she met up with her mercenary crew, right? And her her master, who was basically like her Qui-Gon Jedd buddy kind of deal. He was like... They were, like, talking to each other, and out of nowhere, she's like, you want to fight? Like, I felt like they literally, the director, went back to Tomb Raider 1 uh, for Laura Croft as Angelina Jolie. Like, that scene in the very middle of the movie where she's like, what would Laura Croft do? And when she's tired, oh, she would swing from a bungee cord, because that's, like, the best thing to do, because you're Laura Croft, because you never want to relax. And then she fights all these robots. Like, I felt like they were trying to show, like, how powerful she was by being like, oh, let's box it out. Well, I think, like, you know, I I disagree with you there. The reason I disagree with you there is because I I, I believe she did it to get a sign of respect. Like, you know, she put herself out there. Was it it random? Kind of. But, you know, how they did it in Iron Man when they first introduced, you know, Black Widow to Tony Stark, you know, she kind of did the same exact thing. He was kind of blowing her off, not taking her very seriously. And then she gets in the ring and shows what she can do. So I, I really think it was more like, hey, you, like, I want to earn respect of my superior. 
Which I, I, I can see that point, but my problem is, at least when she did that in Iron Man 2, Natalia had a reason to do that, and that's because, which this was edgy, right? Because Tony Stark wanted to do his, like, background check on her, right? And he was actually originally in the ring. So he was like, take this guy out. Well, of course you're trying to get a job, so I'm going to do what my boss tells me. She initiated the conversation. As she's not powerful enough, she's literally as powerful as it gets. She's over here... But she doesn't know that yet. She doesn't know her, her like, extent of her powers. She's, yeah, I mean, sort of. But yeah, she's over here shooting photon blasts like she's Goku, which, yeah, I'm a big nerd. That's a whole other subject, which we'll get into that at some point on the show, I'm sure. But that's, uh, like, I felt like they were trying to oversell her to make more of what it was. And uh, I don't know. Like, I haven't had enough judgment on her to really grade her scale as an actor, right? Um, because I haven't seen her in enough, like... Yeah, she was, if I think back, she was actually, like, you know, almost an extra in 13 going on 30, which no one noticed. But she, uh, and I know she's doing, like, one of the next Star Wars films or something she's trying to do, which she teased. But, like, I haven't seen her in enough in to really judge her actor skills. Actress skills. I'm sorry, I misspoke there. But I feel like she's almost the Kristen Stewart, and I, I'm actually a Twilight fan. You know, I love werewolves. And I always wanted to be Edward Cullen. He drives fast cars. He's a beast, man. I love the baseball scene. <laughs> In the rain. But I just felt like I can't be sold on her as an actress. Like, I haven't seen the emotion from her. Like, how we get with Tom Holland and, and Robert Downey Jr. Like, when, you know, he's like, don't let me go. Like, I don't want to go. Like, don't let me go. Like, you haven't gotten that emotion from her. Like, even in Endgame, she was like, to kill Thanos. It's like, okay, I get it. You're the most powerful villain, uh, most powerful hero in the world. Going to take down the most powerful villain, right? But even Cap was like, I understand that's not our territory, but we would like to go to, right? It's like, I can't be... Like, even when she said in Endgame... And there's a lot of other universes out there that would like to have your help. Like, it's like I wasn't sold on it. It's like she, her emotion in the movies, I just haven't been sold on her portrayal as Miss Marvel. Which is funny, because I read a lot of Captain Marvel comics. And she, she is. She's a badass. And she can take down all these villains. And there's even a comic called War of the Realms, which you should watch. Which I think that should be one of the next big villains of the MCU. Um, that's a whole other topic, but I just feel like I haven't been sold on her portrayal as an actress, which is not for me to judge because I've only seen her in a few things, but in that particular film, I just wasn't sold on her being the most badass hero that's supposed to lead and project this MCU going into phase five, right? I mean, so I don't know. What are your thoughts? I don't think it's one of the worst films. I wouldn't I would put it somewhere kind of in the middle. I don't it wasn't my favorite. Again, you know, to your point, if you're in the all most powerful hero period in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, like it needs to make its mark where I think it was cool how we were introduced to like where the Infinity Stone is kind of a part of her 
and you know what, that that, I thought that yeah. was really I, what I really liked too is how we were introduced to young Ronan and like the kind mm-hmm. of like sector he got and what he was capable of doing on his own there you know but outside, outside of that like it, it did its job you know it really gave you a backstory on who she was yes it, was she a badass where we, where we kind of robbed of maybe some some action or some you know great acting yeah but I, I believe it Every every pilot of a you know like Iron Man one two and three you know Captain you know all his movies and Thor you know Dark World Ragnarok and the original Thor like the first one of those is always supposed to be like the the origin and how they came to be and I think it did its job do I think it was the best no but I do believe it gave us an ample enough uh, idea of where Captain Marvel came from. Now, it's going to be interesting in seeing where they go with it. I absolutely agree there. Um, but one thing I did hate is how they changed her hair from Captain Marvel to Endgame. I didn't like that. Yeah. Like, like how they got the pixie cut thing out. That's, that's, like, that, that's you know, you know, whatever. Like, that's kind of getting <laughs> the nitty gritty, right? Yeah, but that's the nitty gritty. At, but at I, the end of the day, I think they did its job of portraying this backstory of where Captain Marvel came from. Yeah. What happened to the helmet, by the way? Like, all of a sudden, she doesn't wear helmets anymore from in-game. Like, that was my favorite part, was, like, the mohawk with the helmet. I thought it was pretty, I thought it was pretty badass. Like, almost like a, you know, a, a 300 warrior from Sparta. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, they got rid of it. Like, I, I don't know. Um, but, okay, let's, well, uh... Yeah, I, I, I got you. But, yeah, let's uh, get you, uh, get us going with your worst overall, man. Well, not my worst overall, my second, my second to least favorite is Iron Man 3. There's not much... This probably is the movie, even though I say it's not my least favorite, because I think that the third movie is always going to be, in anything, it's always going to be one of the ones that doesn't hold up, right? You know, Especially with something as iconic as Iron Man 1. There's only so many avenues, but I just think it was poorly done. It was thrown together. There was no real plot that captured the audience's attention. Like, I just, I didn't see anything. Like, what was the need for it? Like, if you're going to throw a third one in there just to say you've got a trilogy, like, let's have it make sense. And I I didn't really see it making any sense at all to me. I, I thought that it was it was poorly put together. I mean, obviously, RDJ did his thing. But outside of that, there there really wasn't much memorable about the movie. You know, I could have not watched it and been, like, no worse for wear for, you know, being a fan of the MCU. Like, it just, it was the one movie that I can genuinely say I disliked. I can't say I uh, agree more. It was one of those I saw. Is that, uh, is that, your, is that your worst favorite? Is that your absolute least? It's my complete, it was garbage. Oh, goodness. No, like, it was one I, I hate to say any MCU film is trash. It wasn't trash. It was... Dare say not good. <laughs> like it was. I didn't think it was here's good. My, here's my problem, right? I mean, it, um, it was. I'm sorry. Yeah, let's just be real. It was awful. It so, was so this awful. is your absolute least favorite. Least so favorite. This for is me, the list. I this is the least favorite. Could not agree more. Okay. Um, going all the way into it, felt like a complete cash drop. It felt like they wanted just to complete the trilogy to say they completed it. I don't think it did Robert Downey Jr. any justice. <laughs> like, luckily he had the other ones, so I felt like he was okay with this, because he's like, you know, almost like Tom Brady's interception last night. Like, I feel like he'll be back. 
But he's like, it's okay, you can make fun of me all you want, you give me 15 seconds on the one-yard line, whatever. You gave him a third film that was complete, utter garbage. They, from the trailer, I remember watching this uh, when it was coming out, and I was stoked, because the villain in this film was the Mandarin. And if you go back to the Iron Man comic books, the Mandarin is the Joker of the franchise. He is the Ramsey Bolton of the... Tony Stark, Iron Man, solo franchise. And I didn't like the whole idea how, like, you thought it was the Mandarin, and then all of a sudden, halfway through, it's like an actor. Like, that was completely, utterly ridiculous. I thought they made it a Christmas movie just to appeal to audiences around Christmas. And then you go into this whole, oh, we were trying to connect it back with, like, stem cell research to the other guy that is now, like, the villain. <clears throat> and then, also, you're like, well, Gwyneth Patrow, like, you're wondering if she's gonna survive, but she lives because she, like, lived through the villain evil stuff she embraced. And then, also, then you jump to the next, like, movie in the franchise, and she's completely okay, even though they were worried if she was gonna die and how she was gonna, like, harness that at the end of the film. It never and came it, up again. It never came up again at all. <laughs> it just completely let it go. <laughs> it was like they wanted to make a new Die Hard film at Christmas, but they couldn't get Bruce Willis to do it. And they knew Robert Downey Jr. had another, another film. So they were like, you know what? I got it. Let's just make a really, really bad Die Hard film. Like, Die Hard Five, like the one after Live Free and Die Hard that no one remembers. And then we're gonna throw in some Iron Man suits in there. And then, you know, then after we get completely done shooting, someone's gonna say, what about the stem cell guy? And we're gonna do complete reshoots like it's Spider-Man 3. It was complete all over the place. It makes me think of another movie in another franchise, which we'll get into on the second, second, second part. part yeah. um, it, it just completely made no sense. The only thing I even thought about this story that I thought was cool, going back to Endgame, there is one Easter egg in there of that little boy during the funeral scene. Sorry if you haven't seen it, Disney Plus. You know, at least you don't have to waste three hours. You can just skip to the end. Um, that little boy that no one notices is that boy that he finds in that film when he goes into that barn and uh, leaves in the note and everything. Uh, so I thought that was really cool. But just like that, you never heard of that kid ever again. You thought Maybe like it'll come up in the future, man. It's like <laughs> like I'm pretty sure that's why like Tony Stark was gonna be a father figure to that guy, and then they're like. Spider-Man. <laughs> but, like, Spider-Man's here. And they're like, yeah, sorry, that kid's out. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, that's that's what I thought of it, and that's where I stand. Um, before we wrap up the MCU... Well, yeah, and I, I did want to talk about, you know, my absolute least favorite as well, yeah. too. Mm -hmm. Just because, like, this is probably my one that's, that many would consider a hot take. I think right. I had a pretty well-logical argument for my top five, why I didn't like Iron Man 3. This is the one where I think it's going to get the most controversy, I, my absolute least favorite film in the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe is Age of Ultron. I did not like Age of Ultron because the reason I couldn't put Iron Man as my absolute least favorite 
is we kind of ex you can't expect a third film to be the best film, right? But you can expect an Avengers that has the Avengers logo on it, that has an accumulation of things leading up to it. You can expect that to be good, yeah. right? And, and I'm not saying if it was a standalone movie where there wasn't anything leading up to it, or maybe we didn't have the first Avengers, awesome. Would have been a great film, right? But the fact of the matter is, every single superhero movie, it, you have a bad guy find creative ways to beat the bad guy. And there was really nothing different about Age of Ultron, especially when we start thinking about Jarvis being this all-knowing, all-powerful you know, computer. That, like, like, you know, how he turned into Ultron, and then from there, uh, he turned into Vision. Now, with Vision, he, I don't know, maybe this was bad on the other uh, movies' parts, yeah. but basically Vision kind of seemed... Like, he was irrelevant. Yeah. Like, he wasn't a great fighter. He wasn't great at anything. You couldn't tell me that Vision is one of the top five <laughs> yeah. most powerful in, in the MCU. Like, he's not. Yeah, he's but, like, Age of Ultron, you, you, you thought that, man, this thing is, like, yeah. it almost was, like, the everyone's worst fear of AI, like, artificial yeah. intelligence. Right, so, like, yeah. oh, no, this thing came to life, and it's going to ruin humankind mm -hmm. as it is. That's what you thought, Super yeah. cheesy, like, knockoff. Like, like... You have this thing that's been helping you out the whole time. Awesome. It turns bad. Cool little plot line. But at the end of the day, what it boils down to, there's nothing in the Age of Ultron that we haven't seen before. You got to the part where, like, oh, man, this bad guy's kicking butt. But were you ever really in doubt that our good guys were going to come through and find a way to win? No. And, like, it didn't bring anyone from outer space. No cool, like, new characters. It didn't introduce anybody that's going to be important later on. It was literally a standalone superhero movie that is very, very pedestrian at best, but if you're going to have the Avengers logo to it, there's no excuse for it not to be better. Like, and, and on top of that, too, like, it, it did introduce us to Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch. Great. Awesome. Like, that, that, that's cool how that happened there, and it did set up Civil War, kind of, because, you know, that's when that's the whole city that collapsed, and, like, they destroyed that during Age of Ultron. That's what made, like, Tony Stark... Like when that lady came up to him, like when he was about to get in the elevator and say, like, my son was doing, like, was going to get his master's degree, his doctorate in here, but you, know, you guys killed him. And that kind of started making him think about, hey, we need to be more regulated. So that kind of made things fall into place, but that wasn't enough in that movie to, to brand the, with the Avengers logo and say it was great. I think for that reason, not that it was the worst movie, it was the most disappointing, and because it's the most disappointing, that's why it's my least favorite. I mean, I have to agree. It's not one of my, not one of my complete one. I can't even say favorites. <laughs> Satisfied with it, right? I liked it because I got to see the guy from Kick Ass. <laughs> I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. I gotta still say I rank it above Iron Man three because at least it had a sequence of events. Like, at least it was like I knew where they were going with it, and they didn't stop halfway through. But we, you can't expect the third movie in a trilogy to be the best one. Where, yeah. like, this is accumulation. At the time, it should have been the best thing. And I looked at that, and, like, I, saw, I still had three movies that I would put above Age of Ultron. And at the time, when that first came out, when there's nothing else after Age of Ultron, you shouldn't be able to put together three movies that are better than an Avengers. Right. Okay. Like, I mean, I see where, yeah, I see where you're coming from. I mean, one thing I was very disappointed with in that movie was I felt like Quicksilver was a cash drop. Like, they barely ever used him. He would never eyes him again. <laughs> like, in the comics, he was a badass. Yes. Like, on top of that, you had a guy that, like, could have been a significant part of the fan series. Yeah. Like, I mean, 
You know, you had the guy from Kick-Ass, like, yeah. and that's sad. We didn't get to see that go anywhere. I was a big hit girl. I know. That was one of Nicholas Cage's yeah, ones man. that you actually, like, enjoyed. It was... <laughs> Not to mention Christopher Mintz, man. If you're out there watching, you got my mad respect. Yeah, right. Super bad and Kick-Ass. Dude, I, one of my favorites. It's, I feel like it could have done a lot better, too, if it wasn't just released to kind of Netflix on the low. Like, yeah. there's no marketing for that, but we kind of digress. Let's jump back into what you thought yeah. about the Age of Ultron and why you think it's... You know, doesn't deserve to be in our bottom rankings. Uh, I just felt like, I mean, I, just, I mean, it was tough, right? Like, I, I definitely, the MCU has so many films. Uh, wait, 20, is it 23 movies? Am I off? 32, isn't it? 32, yeah, sorry, right? I got it wrong. <laughs> Backwards. Yeah, no, yeah. See, I gotta uh, look back at my films. Um, I just, even Guardians 2 was better than Age of Ultron. Which this was supposed to be an Avengers film, like, yeah. but um, I just felt like they were like Captain Marvel and Iron Man three were worse because at least Captain Marvel I just couldn't get sold on it. I didn't. Maybe it's just the whole main point of like don't follow a sequence of events and then try to throw everyone off with some cash drop excuse, like the whole Sandman deal in Spider Man three, like the Kree and Captain Marvel. And then in Iron Man 3, how you had the Mandarin. Like, it, that's what kind of was the big thing. At least if they were going places in Age of Ultron, at least it had a sequence of events. Now, I didn't like the whole virus scene <laughs> where you had, like, Ultron eating Jarvis, whatever that was about, and he came back as, like, a half-robot at first, but he wasn't really complete. Almost like a bad version of the mummy. <laughs> like the original mummy where he had half his face still off, but then he regained control again. Uh, I didn't like that, but I wouldn't rank it as far as my bottom two. Now, where would you see the MCU going for phase five? Who do you think is going to be the next big villain of the MCU? <sighs> I don't know. Cause like, that's, that's tough. I know what I would like to see, but I don't know how they how they put into how they put it together like the celestials would be huge like galactus i think because after after thanos you have like where do you go after thanos right you know what i mean and like the only beings that are more powerful than him like comic wise are the celestials right so and galactus was kind of that big bad guy and now that they've acquired x-men you know as well like i think that's going to be that would be huge to see all of what Disney's acquired come together to see how they would fare up against, you know, the Celestia. Yeah. I'm uh, very interested to see in the Eternals how that uh, plays out. Um, I know they were looking at some big actors for different things. I'm interested to see how Adam Warlock goes down if they actually play that out based on Guardians 2 when she says we'll call him Adam, if they still keep him in that, like, time chamber thing, whatever that was. Um, because in the comics, like, he's a complete badass. One guy, though, so a uh, comic book you should read, um, which is a series of comic books that came out literally just last year, and I was completely hooked. Um, if you go to the comic book store, which there's a lot of side stories as well, you can pick up uh, War of the Realms, which is what I mentioned earlier. So that takes place years after Infinity War, like almost, I'm not sure if it's 10 years after, but I know it's like sometime in the future. And in that, basically you have Thor, 
you know, they finally got Fantastic Four and all that involved. But it takes place with a guy named Malkeith, who would actually would play at will, which I don't see them doing this by the way they're starting to set it up, but okay. it would be absolutely phenomenal because he is actually in Thor The Dark World. Which I thought was pretty good. I didn't throw it on the list, but you got to see the Ethera, which is pretty sick. Yeah. But basically, he winds up taking over uh, the realms that are near Asgard one by one, and the last one is Earth. And it actually would bring into, which I don't know if any of this is true yet, if you look up, it's actually called Black Knight is the superhero um, that Kit Harrington was thinking about playing. I don't know, none of that's been confirmed yet, so don't take my word on it. But he's, uh, the knight would like, um, he has this like mythical sword. Um, and what happens is Malkith winds up finding that sword and stabbing Venom with it and taking all of Ven Venom's symbiote powers. And he winds up being the next big Venom, uh, <laughs> Venom villain. I got tongue tied there. Uh, and, you know, it takes Thor and literally Captain Marvel, all the Avengers take him off. There's even a part where uh, Spider Man goes on his entire um, side quest and they establish a strike force with the Punisher uh, to take all these things down. So I think that would be interesting given the fact you now have, like, Venom 2 that can come into the mix. Yeah. But, um,. I think there's a lot of, like, you know, potentially big names being thrown around for some things, you know. You've heard the Keanu Reeves, uh, yeah, that, that's sick. like, you know, they have his name floating around. Kit Harrington, they haven't floating around. I heard, you know, if they were going to do a Galactus, they had Liam Neeson's name. That's what I was going to say, yeah. You know, like, there's some big names that, you know, this this could take off. You know, maybe we haven't seen the best from, from the MCU yet. Which know? makes a question, though, right? Because, mm -hmm. like, the MCU has built his in, their entire franchise around originally getting guys that were no names and became names. Like, I remember when Captain America and Thor came out, Chris Evans and Chris Hemsworth were nobody. Well, Chris Evans, he did, he did uh, Human Torch. He, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah but he, he really did like he did do, do some silly movies. Like he, he was did in, cellular. Yeah, yeah, like non teen movie. <laughs> yeah, like he was in some goofball movies, and he really kind of took that role and ran with it. And yeah. So I was impressed, and you know, I, I think that we that kind of covers everything in in the MCU that we want to discuss today. You know, our top fives. I'll list them out one more time for myself. My top five going from five to one: Iron Man one, four Guardians of the Galaxy. Three Civil War, two Endgame, one Infinity Wars, with the two that I like the least. Second least favorite, Iron Man 3, absolute least favorite in the entire series and franchise, Age of Ultron. Chase, what do you have? Yeah, I have uh, Spider-Man Far From Home as five, because you do get to see the Spidey sense. I still have wrapped up on my shelf that I never played from last year, the Spider-Man game. I mean, you play that to use that. Uh, and then next on four, I do have Civil War. Three, I do have Captain America Winter Soldier just because I do love the boat scene. Reminded me of James Bond from when I was a kid. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy is number two. And then number one, of course, the Empire Strikes Back of the franchise, I would say, is Infinity War. And then uh, I think we both agree on Iron Man 3 not being quite the best. I ranked it the worst. Uh, Captain Marvel, so I should have done this backwards, but Captain Marvel. I rank not quite as the worst there. 
Uh, it's definitely still Iron Man 3, but Captain Marvel is just above that. Yeah. But guys, thank you so much for tuning in to our very first segment. It was a pleasure doing this. I think we had a really successful first pilot, and I, yeah. I can't wait to give him number two and really done jump into the, the Star Wars franchise. Yeah, number two, that's going to be good uh, stuff. I know that's caused a lot of controversy. And that, <laughs> I think recently. that's huge, too. I think this is what's really kind of leading into what we're going to be doing next, is like, with Marvel, like... We've got three out of the five that are the same, just in different orders. But we've right. got three out of the five. Like we both have Guardians. We both have Civil War. We both have Infinity Wars, right? right. So doesn't you know we've taken semantics there and putting them, you know, listing one through five. Where I think with Star Wars, it's all over the place. There's people that are gonna say like, oh, you're an idiot for putting this in your top five. Oh, this yeah, is a terrible yeah. film. Or why do you have this over this? Like, I think the Star Wars one is gonna be real interesting to see what people say. And I'm looking forward to doing that. So, uh, guys, thank you so much for tuning in to our very first episode of Factor Fantasy with yeah. Chase and Josh. Yeah, thanks for tuning in, guys. Uh, leave your comics, uh, comments below. You see how much of a comic fan I really am. <laughs> uh, leave your comments below. Um, we'll have all this, of course. You know, uh, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, anything. Uh, yeah, YouTube. We got a YouTube channel going as well. So, yeah. guys, we're going to be out there, and we're and we're going to be uh, interacting with you as well. So. Thank you so much again, and uh, until next time. Thanks for tuning in. Signing off.